0: What a special treat it is to have Joe with us today. Thank you for his talent. Amen. I think it's Joseph, but I call him Joe. I'll take it. Family moved to a new town. And their little girl was showing a new friend around the house. And as they wandered down the hallway, they went into the bathroom. And her friend saw a bathroom scale. And she asked what that was for. And the little girl said, well, I'm not sure, but Mom and Dad use it every morning. But be careful. When you stand on it, it makes you really, really mad. I want to tell you about two bored friends today named Bill and Fred. And they were hanging out at an all night restaurant. And they got into a debate about the difference between irritation and anger and rage. So we're talking about anger today. Around 1 a.m., Bill said, Look, Fred, I'll show, I can solve this, I'll show you an example of irritation. And he put his cell phone on the table and put it on speaker and then he just dialed a number at random. And it rang and it rang and it rang. Finally, a sleepy voice answered and Bill said, I'd like to speak to Jim. There's nobody here named Jim, the guy said. And he hung up. Now, Bill turned to Fred. That's an example of a guy who's irritated. So they went on and visited and about an hour later, 2 a.m. in the morning, He said, I want to show you an example of a guy who's angry. He called the same number, let it ring. Eventually, the same sleepy voice answered the phone. And Bill asked, Man, please speak to Jim. There's nobody here named Jim, he yelled, and really hung up the phone that time. And then an hour later, as they were still discussing this. He said, now I want to show you an example of of rage. And he called the same number, and he let it ring. And when the guy finally answered, he said, hi, this is Jim. Has anybody called for me today? (laughs) Isn't that funny? I just, I can't stand to not use that. I, I saw that in fact, I got to thinking about it in the middle of the night. And I, thought, I think I've used that before, and I don't care. <laughs> you know, our country is becoming a nation of angry people, short tempered people. And it's not because of irritating late night phone calls, with unprecedented frequency, the media has been reporting more and more and more about irate emotional outbursts in lots of settings. Surveys indicate more than three-fourths of Americans believe road rage and angry behavior has increased on our nation's highways, and flight attendants and airline pilots report a dramatic increase in problem passengers. In fact, just last month, the Federal Aviation Administration issued a warning to air travelers about what it describes as a dramatic increase in unruly and dangerous behavior aboard their passenger planes. You see, in a typical year, the FAA sees about 100 to 150 of these kind of things in the course of a year. But since just the start of this year, the number of reported cases has already passed 1,300, which is even more remarkable since the number of passengers flying It's still not all that many. In fact, not even back to where pre-pandemic levels were. And the behavior that's reported includes passengers refusing to wear masks, passengers drinking excessively, and engaging in physical and verbal assault, including what the agency described as political intimidation and harassment of lawmakers. For example, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. A fistfight broke out over differing political views on an air flight. In Washington, D.C., a passenger was escorted off a flight after arguing with the flight attendants over and over and over again over the mask rule. Just recently, a flight bound for Los Angeles was diverted to Denver and forced to make an emergency landing because the passenger allegedly was trying to open an emergency door on the plane. And one high-ranking official says the FAA is now taking a zero-tolerance approach to poor behavior. Angry and unruly passengers will face potential criminal charges, fines up to $35,000, and lifetime bans on certain airlines. Wow. You know, and while anger is an emotion that is generally frowned upon anyway, it seems like everywhere you turn, somebody's mad about something. Now, I think it's quite possible that one of the reasons for this is the ever-present social media. And uh, it appears that stories and posts about positive things are kind of rare. And people get more and more, seem like a little kick out of focusing on the negative stories. And posts about uh, positive things are ignored altogether. How we need to understand and apply the wisdom from God's word to this epidemic of rage. Rage. Ecclesiastes 7.9 commands us, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. So as we're moving along through this summer series on uh, how to have victory in your life, we're talking about problems and we're talking about t- trials and issues that we have to deal with in our personal lives and how to have victory over them. How's a Christian to respond to all this? Well, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to separate the myth from reality. Are you ready? The myth is that good Christians should never, ever be angry. Now, that's a myth. The Bible doesn't say that at all. Christians should never let their anger be out of control. But good, well-behaved believers are not to just necessarily repress our emotions, You know, we need to be, as Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Now, in this passage, which is what we're focusing on, Ephesians 4.26 and 27, the Apostle Paul dispels the myth that all anger is sin. And when we look around the world, there's a whole lot of things that should upset us as conscientious believers, and from this truth, we can make some observations. I think I want to give you a few of them. First, here's some observations about anger, number one. Anger is a God-given emotion. It's kind of wired into us. All of us are grateful that God has endowed us with the ability to feel emotions, but why do many of us keep trying to give back the gift of anger? It serves a purpose. It really does. When, when do we get the idea that God is, is, to, is to never get angry, to treat anger as an unwanted emotion? There's a lot of things that happen in this sinful world that should provoke you and me to be upset in our emotional way. And then observation number two, anger is not necessarily sinful. You know, 18 times in the Old Testament alone, the anger of the Lord is recorded. 18 times God felt angry over sin, and not one of those times was he being sinful. And in the New Testament, the book of John, I want you to listen to this. Chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, we're told that when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple courts, He found men selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip of cords and drove all of them from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus was having what you'd call a holy fit. To those who sold the doves, he said, get get these out of here. How dare you turn my house into a market? You see, there is a place for righteous indignation and anger. However, we've also got to keep in mind the Apostle Paul's caution here as well. But in your anger, do not sin. It's as if someone were to say to you, Now when you go out tonight, go out and enjoy yourself, have a good time, but never at the expense of anybody else. It can almost be compared to what the Apostle John says in 1 John 2.15. I want you to love people, but don't love the things of the world, the Bible says. And in the same way, we're being told, okay, be angry. There are many things worthy of your anger, but don't carry that anger to the point that it becomes sin. Third observation, anger must have safeguards. Now, I don't know about the temperament of our congregation, um, and you probably don't know about the temperament of your pastor, because we all don't go home together, do we? You know, if we did go home with each other, well, I just don't know what would happen. We would probably all see some things and hear some things maybe that might not be, well, you know, good. I mean, let's be honest. You know, things can happen. I live in a house with a dog and a cat, and both of them are pain. You know? And and especially the dog, I might add. But, But, I mean, you know, You know what's in every single home? We all have one. It's called a hot water heater. How many of you have hot water heaters? Everybody pretty much have one. If you didn't have a hot water heater, you probably came to church without a bath today. Now, there's something on that hot water heater that's called a pop-off valve. Now, you may know what that is for. Steam and excessive heat when it builds up and it turns out something's wrong and something's not working right and there's too much pressure, then the pop-off valve keeps your hot water heater from exploding through the roof of your home and doing damage. Now, what about you and me? What do we do when anger builds up within us? You know what's fun about preaching is you never know which one of you just had a mad fit before you came to church. I don't know that, but I know that the Lord's applying this message to, to some of us. You know, isn't that cool? I mean, the, the Holy Spirit knows you're not hiding nothing from Him. What do we do with our anger? Instead of popping off, which only which only works really well with hot water heaters, Paul gives us two practical safeguards in this passage Ephesians two Ephesians four verse twenty six and twenty seven. To keep your anger from exploding, let's look at first of this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In Paul's day, before electric lights, it was the setting of the sun that determined the closing of the day. All accounts of anger still open at that time were to be cleared out so that there'd be no anger on the books overnight or have to deal with in the morning. Now, even with electric lights, are still that's a great principle. But if you and I prolong our anger, then we give sin an opportunity to show itself. So first, you've got to have safeguards. Number two, don't let the devil have a foothold. Do not allow your anger to be expressed in such a way that the devil's character is reproduced in you and me. Uncontrolled anger is a wide-open door for Satan, and he'll enter it every time. And he will set to work in your life to insert his character in place of that of Christ. Now, all this brings up a question. What type of anger, then, is justifiable? I mean, what can we say that, when can we say it's right to be upset or angry? Okay, I want to give you some examples of justifiable anger. The first is when God's word and God's will are consciously disbelieved or abused or falsified. After 40 days and nights on the mountain, enveloped in the glory of God, it was time for Moses to go back down to his people. He had this mountaintop high. He was, I mean, just floating. He was awesome. And he gets back down, carrying these heavy tablets. Remember those, the Ten Commandments? And he gets down to the the ground below the mountain. Exodus 32, 19 says, When Moses approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. His His anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them. Moses was the first, by the way, to break the Ten Commandments. All of them. At the same time. He was the first to do that. I don't know that that's ever been repeated. But anyway, he threw them on the ground. And breaking it into pieces at the foot of the mountain, and then he took a calf that they made that they had and made it, and burned it into fire, this golden calf, and then he ground it up into powder and scattered it on water, and he made every one of the Israelites come and drink that. Now this was an unusual service. It really was. Imagine, you can imagine the open rebellion of all these Israelites ignited this burning anger in Moses. And it's the same way we kind of justify our own anger sometimes but also there should be a holy boldness that burns within the heart of every christian especially when you and i see the will of god the ways of god everything the word of god just cast aside our culture so that's the first one god's word and will are are consciously disobeyed that ought to kind of get you it kind of get our fire going. Or as the old preacher said, if that doesn't light your fire, then all your wood's wet. And you don't want wet wood. All right, then number two, when enemies move into the realms outside their rights and jurisdiction. An example of enemies overstepping their bounds is in 1 Samuel 11, where a guy named Nahash the Ammonite declared war on the people of Israel in play at a place called Jabesh Gilead. And when the messengers brought the threatening news to the people about what was going to happen, they were all distressed. And their anointed king, just brand new king, King Saul, was told about it. And verse 4 says, that Just then Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen and said, What is wrong with the people? Why are they weeping? And then they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. And when Saul heard their words... The Spirit of God came upon him in power and he burned with anger. Justifiable anger. The same anger that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah 5.22. Woe to those who who acquit the guilty for a bribe or deny justice to the innocent. I mean, this this is godly anger. God is all for what is right and just and fair. And so when we see... Enemies move into the realms that are not really theirs. And yes, we should be upset. It should bother us greatly. One more example of justifiable anger. Now, this one hits a little closer to home. Is when parents are unfair with their children. The Apostle Paul deals with this sensitive issue of the parent-child relationship in the home. And and, uh, notice how he talks about this. Ephesians 6, verse 4. uh, He commands... Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And also in Colossians 3.21, the parent specifically addressed in this area is the father. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of burden. There's a lot of weight upon a father, husband's shoulders in the home. And one of the biggest responsibilities that we have, I think, is to kind of stay on an even keel, especially when we're dealing with our kids. I grew up in a home where I just solved the problem. When I got home, I went immediately to my room, closed the door. He didn't lock it because that was not allowed. but I would, I'd, do, I'd work a puzzle, or I'd read a book, or I would do whatever. And I didn't have to deal a lot with my, my dad. Dad was cranky. He'd show up after a hard day's work, and you just, just you know he just stayed out of his way. You know, after we'd eat dinner with nobody talking, it took me years to find out you could talk while you had supper. I never saw that. And then Mom would go to her room, close the door and get a book. Dad would go for TV to watch boxing. And I would go to my room. And we were such a connected family. (laughs) You know, as long as nobody intruded into the spaces there. You see, when... And by the way, moms, you don't get a pass on this either just because we're picking on dads. But um, the Lord seems to be in tune on what he's teaching here in Colossians with the fact that fathers in particular have a tendency to exasperate their children. Don't you love sermons like this and you get to go home with your kids in the car? I mean, especially dads who are kind of impatient and we don't take time maybe to, to kind of get a feel for the feelings of others. You know, when reasonably obedient young people are dealt with unfairly time and time again, they will eventually respond in anger. And this anger can, in a sense, they can, it can be justified on their part. Even though they don't understand, they know it just doesn't seem right. I mean, it's not a license for children to feel that they're being provoked by everything their father says. That's not what it's saying. It's just a warning to fathers especially to deal with our kids in, in a fair way and in an understanding way. It's what we're actually told to do that. Not exasperate them, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And by the way, for any of us, if we attempt to communicate the truths of the Bible and messages like this to our kids, and we do it, and, and, and we are angry and angry and angry, and we, you're, you're missing the point of this. The point of this is that we are responsible for controlling our emotions. And a most message like this can evoke a lot of different feelings. When I was thinking through these things, I remembered a lot of what I called unfair treatment when I was a kid. I remembered that. Dad had one of those things in the, in the basement called the Board of Education. Have any of you have ever seen that? The, the idea is you apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning, you know, and uh, I, I think we wore out four or five of those. I really do. And I, I kind of got to the place where I just made up my mind, I'm not I'm not going to upset him. And I hadn't been 18 years old very long. I was gone. One of the greatest, greatest disappointments I think my mom experienced was that I didn't come home for a long time. I was happy. I was in Bible college. I was around Christians. And... Uh, I just, uh, I just didn't go home much. And uh, Dad went through a heart attack, and then they went through another heart attack, and, and uh, I wasn't there for Mom to help her. And uh, over the course of time, I didn't even find out until recent years how much that upset my mom. So there's two sides to this. There's the side of the offender, and then there's the, the response of someone who's been offended and I don't know where you're at this morning. You know, when we put all these things together, we don't know exactly who's going to be at church. Or, in a case like this, we don't know who's watching from home. You know, we have no way of knowing that. But maybe you've had some memories and some things that have kind of raised up a little bit in your own heart. Many of you feel relieved, you know, for the first time. You know, it's okay, maybe I can be frustrated and upset. For others, you may be surprised that there's a type of anger that doesn't involve physical Abuse or force. Anger has its place right alongside compassion and love. And as we're talking about these trials, these are issues that keep coming back at us if we never learn how to manage them and deal with them. And so that's why we call this victorious living. How do you live in victory when Satan is doing everything he can to throw all this stuff in your path? And the only way you can do that is to trust the Lord, follow His Word, do as the Apostle James sums it up in this particular case, James 1.19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why? For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. May the Lord and the Holy Spirit apply these words from the Bible where they need to be this morning. Amen. Father, thank you. You are so good to give us the lessons we need and the time in which we need them. And Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would also show us how to apply these truths. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We know that you've been so gracious to us as a father, and you've put up with a lot of our shenanigans. And Jesus came so that we might have some freedom, not freedom to do anything we want, but the freedom to do everything that we should. Lord, I thank you for our church, and I pray for every home and household, every marriage. I pray, Father, that this issue of anger, this, this uh, evil of exasperation and sometimes violence and temper, I pray, Father, that you would help us bring a halt to that by transforming us lives from the inside. Keep our hearts soft to you, Lord. Help us know that we'll never, ever give a Christian witness to our children, to our family members, if we don't learn to control our tempers. And Lord, technically, we don't. We allow you to control the temper through us. And we humble ourselves before your authority today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.